understand the photographs and we learn to see a photograph. It's flat. It's, it's not really what real is. It's not three Yeah. Yes, you, 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 you take a Polaroid, you know, it's the photograph, you know, it comes out, you can peel it off, and they look at it and they go, they don't know that it's them. You can't see that there's a person there or anything, it just looks like colors, sort of. And it's a learned thing. So the same way we've done that with reality, is we've um, taken the moments and smeared them together, so we don't realize that we're treading across nothing all the time. Remember in the third Indiana Jones movie. He's walking through the cave. It is. Sean Con- I saw it twice. Yeah, the third one's the best one. Mary has trouble seeing the pictures. Are you saying that we're in nothing actually all the time and we're just not aware of it? I mean, you know, like like during the training, when I stepped into nothing, I stepped into that, and before that, I was just terrified. But then, I'm like, I did this step, and I was at a different place, and maybe the different place was just that I was using my fear and just allowed to happen what wanted to happen, and you know, it was, like I was out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just, just, can you hold this or something? Mm-hmm. Just Diamond did the same thing. Mm-hmm that you did, only she didn't have the technology to support it. So she didn't experience it the same way you did. She didn't experience the, the possibilities that you had, even though you were both in the same place. Mm-hmm. She stepped into blackness of, of, of nothing, terror, just like absolute bottomless, you know, cor- you know she, and she just stayed there until it, until it became just normal. Mm-hmm. But she didn't have the technology to function and, and create in that space, really. She just was able to, to enjoy it and you tolerate it. Whereas what you had was just from your work in the training stuff and just whatever. You, you, you had the ability to, and to actually create something for somebody else, several people, mm-hmm. actually for the whole room. So, okay, keep going. So it was the technology that, that was the difference between you and Diana. Okay. So, but I, I felt the same terror or the same intense fear the whole weekend. And there were like lots of situations when I felt terrified and it felt like I didn't create anything with it. And, but I just, you know, like for example with, um, with Sue, um, you know, like I had the same, I felt the same terror, but I would have not had the idea of, of, of doing that process, that I am process. So that this is why I'm asking what role does technology play? It's like knowing knowledge, is that technology that I have to have to a certain extend or uh, like how? To me it's more like a map mm-hmm. and um, as often as I can I, <coughs> I function at the fringe of the map, you know, at the edge of the map. I keep throwing myself into conditions where I'm at the edge of the map, map making, building maps. Spatial cartographics. Did you read module four? Can't do called spatial cartographics. Walking into nothing and developing the map so that you can you know, then live there and function there and also give it to other people. Mm-hmm. So we're at the edges of evolution when we're doing that. We're at the, the limit of what's known, you know, what people have. And that's why I wanted you to just, just keep writing notes. Because mm-hmm. if you keep writing notes, what you're doing is you, t- you step into nothing and then you pave it. 
you know, make it into a park or a garden or a house or a kitchen or, you know, a library, make it into a, you know, a dance hall. And then, so it's paved, it's like made into solid because you nailed, you know, okay, then you take the next step into nothing. And like I was saying, my life these days is I've, I'm out here like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, a long ways away of where I was, um, you know, three, four years ago. Because I just keep saying yes to the fringe and paving it and moving out there and, and functioning as if it were so, even though it's, I know, even though I know it's fabricated out of nothing, I know that it's an illusion, yet it still works. I'm, I'm operating in a set of models that are completely illusion, but, they're, but so is everybody's models. Everybody's models all the time are just fictions. So it's, so it's just that when you have a group of people together and they all agree, then it seems like there's reality or mass or something. But if you can be your own majority or something, you just vote for the models, and you can function orthogonally to the assumptions of the space, which means that... <laughs> That's a technology. So, no, really. But I'm wondering if I could have been in the same space, or if I could have created the same that I created with Mary, like the whole weekend, because I felt this intense terror the whole weekend as I felt, you know, in the situation with Mary, like, like this is. I mean, I don't know how what that would look like, but that that is really big. I mean, if yeah, that's I mean, really maybe st I still have the concept. I can only do that like you know one time, and then. Here's the problem with that: your mother will not understand what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean is, is that if you keep going where you're headed. At this, you know, if you keep going where you're, if you keep going where you're going, you will be way beyond where kind of most people are, and then you're alone, really, until you get a bunch of around some other weirdos, <laughs> you know, really alchemists. But you could give yourself a fancy name, you know, other magicians, the other other inventors or whatever, other orthogonal navigators or whatever you call them. Would you define that? Yeah, orthogonal is a mathematical term. It just means at right angles to. Orthogonal. Ortho is perpendicular. Gonal is angle. It's perpendicular angle. So, like everybody, when you when all of the Republicans get together and have a, a, a dinner, there's a bunch of belief systems that intermesh with each other, and they function according to the belief systems as if they were so, and they agree with each other, and then they they they, they really feel safe. Really, that's what it's about. They all feel safe and look at everybody's just like me, and we all agree we're right and they're wrong and, you know, we're going to win and they're going to lose and this is, you know, and then so that's, you can almost look at it like a plane, like a, uh, like a flatland, they call it. There's a book called Flatland, it's pretty cool. Um, so, so if somebody is functioning, has, if you have a possibility that's not included in there, it's, it's got to be up either above it or below it, for example. So to get to some other possibility besides being this plane, to get up here from here, you have to go at right angles to the, the rest of the plane. So that's being orthogonal. So practice is always orthogonal to the space. That's why it's uncomfortable. Because you, if you're in a place practicing, um, uh, you, there will be so much support and evidence for not practicing that, that you must be able to 
untack, you know, when you pull the stakes out, you know, when you put a tent up and you put the stakes, you have to pull the stakes out. Or if, like, you have a dirigible or something, a balloon, hot air balloon, you have to throw the sandbags over. You know, you really have to abandon the comfort of agreement and, like, um, you know, the illusion of safety. You have to abandon the illusion of safety in order to go orthogonal. So what you can do is delight in that. You can shift to, instead of being terrified and, and like, you know, like, um, have that be a terrible thing, you can actually shift it into being and a delightful or interesting or exciting thing. And it's the same experience. You know, orthogonal is orthogonal, but but your interpretation of that experience um, is up to you, completely up to you. You can have it any way you want it. So if you keep going the way you're going, you're going to separate yourself from people so then you're out there alone so you have to deal with that but you, you were alone anyway you're just under the illusion of not being alone but then on the other hand <laughs> on the other hand you're not alone because it's all nothing and we're all the same so. and, and what, she, I mean she really created something out of that place and it seems like it, she, she, she did? Could, yeah with another person and mm-hmm. it seems like she could so in some ways she would be alone but in some ways she would be more with people she would be if that's your commitment. But for me, it's, it's, it's like if I'm willing to be really alone, like really alone, then I'm really able to be with somebody else. Yeah. But I have to say yes to okay. I'm really willing to give that to really be alone. And I don't know what is there. And then, you know, then I'm really with somebody and you're with them in a way that you're including them. You're, you're, you're holding a space for them. Yeah, I was going to say it was different than just yeah. casual being with people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I you, were like, yeah you, were, you were like just holding mm-hmm. more than you were like together. Mm-hmm. Also, what I realized too <coughs> is that that the orthogonal experience can only be in the adult people's Yes. It's actually archetypal. It's through the adult into the archetypal. Because in a child ego state, you need to be here to say, is that the prerequisite to experience? Exactly. That's why I'm not a little bit interested in child ego state. You know, people have this whole thing about the <coughs> free and natural inner child, like, to this I'm like, <coughs> like leave me alone. It's like there's no power in that because this inherent in the assumption of the free and natural child is your responsibility. There's no responsibility. There's no, um, and there's there's no ability to really own it. You can't access that because 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 you're still you're not owning your sense. You're still looking around for somebody else to take care of you. Even yeah. So in creating responsive, well, my real question is: is the is the unconscious purpose and your conscious purpose? Are they naturally, by definition, parallel or uh, polar opposites? Like, do you like from the unconscious purpose? Do you, from the unconscious, unconscious, unconscious purpose, I destroy for the, with the illusion of creating, or I destroy. That's another illusion of creating. I destroy unconscious purpose. Well, destruction is just a, a, another form of creating. It's just creating. It's all creating. But the, 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 the driving force is to destroy rather than be destroyed. In the creation process, it would be to, it would be to just, like, 
destruction would be part of that, but it would be to destroy for the purpose of replicating creation. And the unconscious purpose is to destroy. What's and your real question? Okay. Like, I, what my real question was, when you look at people and you know their unconscious purpose, you can see their destiny. If you know... Not necessarily. I mean, those are two different things. We can know... They're not necessarily polar opposites. They're not. That's too simplified of a thing. We're way more creative than that. They're not polar opposites. When you look at see somebody's hidden purpose or what their really their unconscious purpose, that's that's what they're committed to, or conscious of it or not. So that's what you see. You don't necessarily see their their destiny. You can hold the potential of you can hold the possibility of their destiny. But you're gonna have to deal with the the hidden purpose and the unconscious purpose. Okay, so I I was just gonna say at least from my experience it seems like that that well that's what people's magic could be mm-hmm. Like it's training I know for me like my hidden purpose is actually been it's training them. Like it's there's a way in which a shift in commitment, focus, interpretation uses those same things for Here's the thing, when, when you're confronted with somebody's hidden purpose, that's evidence. So if you can be orthogonal and declare who they are as being their destiny, and if your your conversation includes their conversation, then you're not hooked by their hidden purpose then. So who you are is vaster than, than what they can hook into. I'm, so, you know. In other words, you're not orthogonal to their experience, you're within the experience, but you're willing to go to their destiny rather than moving into where they're going for me and they put them into it. You're in contact with them, but you don't buy you don't buy the limits of what they're creating. You know, sometimes that happens to me with kids. Like if I get a, if I'm around a kid who is just a devil, you know, just like you don't if you don't hold it down, man, it's busted. You know, they're gonna, in your pockets they know where how to take your keys and keys and flush them down the toilet. You know, they know how to turn on the garbage disposal and stick the silverware in. They know how to stick their foot through the television. I mean, they're like, you know, and I, I, like sometimes they get hooked into that, like, no, 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 stop, you know, cool, you know, like all that. And another possibility that I can also access sometimes is like, sorrow, come on, get your sword, let's go. You know, and it's all of a sudden, it's going to a, a different, we're fighting for the good. We're, you know, we're making things wonderful around here. You know what I mean? It's a shift of, of context to the, they're included, and I'm not buying theirs, but I'm bringing them into another one. So that's that's what Kirsten did with Mary. So Kirsten was, um, if Mary was in a drama of poor me or victim, or I'm small, or I can't do it, or I'm, I'm not good enough, or whatever, and Kirsten comes up and it's like, who she is, is like, you know, it's like, you might be, you might be playing that script, but I, what, and she just starts talking to the queen, or the, the, the empress, or the sorceress. She just talks to that part of her. And that's what Kirsten did. She just talked to that part of Mary. And just she only would see that. So Kirsten did not buy the limits of Mary's conversation. Yeah, and, and it happened with one word. I said, and I asked me what would happen if I gave up control and I said I would die. And I mean, all I remember is you just said, so. <laughs> 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 Thank <laughs> you.
So, you know, you're putting yourself into a position of being a leader. Like when you commit, if you really commit, then um, then you're committing for a, an entire condition. You're committing for uh, like what a leader does is creates universes in which people can live. That's what a leader does. So it's possible to create a universe that where dramas go on, where people are bigger than other people and other people are smaller. Some people are, you know, conscious and other people are unconscious. Or some people are good and some people are bad. Or some, pe you know, you always have to walk around in fear, or you have to walk around and be worried if you're going. What you're going to do is is going to piss off somebody else who's going to then persecute you. I mean, it's possible to create a universe like that, and many people do because they just unconsciously create a universe that serves, you know, their hidden purposes, and then that's an environment. And if they're a leader, and other people come and work in that environment, people, people, we all get into universes with other people um, by agreement. We don't. It's not an accident. We we hunt around and we look for some leader who's going to create a universe where we can play out our particular drama, you know, and then, and then we get to go in and then we blame them and resent them and, you know, we're right and they're wrong and they're right and we're wrong and they persecute us and kill us, you know, and, and pull the carpet out from underneath us and we're, we're like destroyed and then they come and heal us and tell us how really wonderful we are and all these dramas can be completely played out and that's one kind of a universe, you know, that a leader can create. And a leader has the capacity to create any. They have. That's what a leader is. It's the ability to create universes in which, in which other people join in. So a leader. So every leader creates a different kind of universe, and you get to choose what kind of, what kind of people you work with, what kind of universe you live in. Yeah. I realize that what I do is that I, I, I make it an expanded now So then you're not really holding the bigger commitment. Yeah. Right. So, so 
the technology that you're learning is that commitment happens right now. So, so you didn't really make the big commitment. So what did I make? You just made a little commitment. You just made. You had a, a fantasy. I have an experience. I want to share. Just one second. So you just had a fantasy. Hold on to it for a second. You just made a little fantasy that, um, you know, the trainer thing was a fantasy. A commitment is in the body, the body thing. So when you make a commitment, it's not an illusionary fantasy vision kind of thing. It's like this is so. This is so, and you're moved in that. You're moved by that. That's what moves you. That's why you chose to put your center over there. You're asking this really important question for you. And you took your center and you put it over there. Why? So what were you really committed to? Getting an answer to your question or having a shorter commitment of being comfortable? So that's what we're talking about. So you didn't really commit this. You didn't really commit to an answer to your question. You didn't really quit to working. You didn't really commit to working at that level, you're committed to more of a comfort level. It's good to notice that about yourself. It's like that's the answer to your question. What you're really committed to is comfort in the moment. You don't give your center away for comfort. I will drop it Then if you notice that, then you can work at that level. You can start to work. Really, all you get to work with ever is your attention. Your only attention. Yes, your attention. So now you get another chance to practice. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you're willing to work on it at this level, consider it, ask, is to give you a chance. So that's all we get is our attention. There's nothing else that we can handle. We have no, there's no other level. And there's still this part of you that still be committed to getting an answer to the question. Can you swallow and still be having your attention on can, can, you know, can you, so it's really about splitting your attention and knowing what your priorities, I guess, and which one you're really committed to, what you choose to commit to. See, here's the, here's the cool thing about this game. Is the results that you produce are completely indicative of what you're actually committed to. 
there is no lie in that. There's no lie in the results. That's it. If the results are this way, that is what you're committed to, regardless of what it is. What you have is what you want. So whatever results are happening, that's what you want. If you're willing to, like what Kirsten did, was she was willing to look at what she had. She was willing to be present, that's what it's called, being present with what's really there. And what was there then, like her whole thing was, I'm not going to be present, because if I'm present, then I'll be terrified. Right? Mm -hmm. So, when... Then I'll die. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, that's the right. equation. And so, what, what, what she chose was not to be present. So, if you're present, then, then what you get is what's really going on. And then you can look at the results that you're creating. So, the results that she was creating was that in her life, you know, over and over again. First she set up, she moved into a, she moved into a, a conversation or a, a universe in which she got feedback, like, if you space out, you must put a dollar in the box. Right, like that, right? And so, then that's, she, she chose that. So that's a feedback thing that brings her closer and closer and closer to being present. And so, because, then she just, it was a reminding factor, you know, if you, if you space out and you have to put a dollar in the box, then um, you can start to look at why you space out. But she just kept getting closer and closer and closer until this weekend when she could really get present. And what was there was terror. And then in that terror, that, then there's, that's how narrow her small was. was it her, that's how narrow her now was, was right here in the present. Yeah, and what Which is an illusion, but you give it all away. See, what what the invitation for you is like. There are people who you know, who who just who who are dangerous. People who are dangerous have the ability to split their attention. It means you can't control them. It means you're unpredictable in a certain kind of way. Because you don't really you don't know where my attention really is. But I, I might only have 5% of my attention here in this conversation. I might be really working over here or there. You don't know where it is. And so, so in that way, I'm not, I'm not very controllable. I'm still controllable. I still can be hooked into mechanical real quick. But I'm, I'm, less, you know, I'm less mechanical than I was. You know what I, mean? I, work, I work with that stuff. So you can also work with your attention and learn to split your attention. But then what happens is even, even more. It's like you become more dangerous. Not only are you alone, and a leader, and bigger than other people, and include them, and now you're dangerous to them, because they can't control you, because, you know, you you can go orthogonal to a predominant conversation at any instant, but you never, oh, I am never really included into a space, because I always have the left leg of my gremlin hooked into another space, and I can just go like this, and whoever's <coughs> in contact with me is sucked into another space, because my gremlin can trash any space at any moment for no reason, whenever I want, that's the use of the gremlin for me. So I'm not very hypnotizable by space, by the assumptions of the space. So that's a that's a technology. And actually the description of the technology came after the ability to do that. So it's really only like after I moved into nothing and it functioned, then I had laid the, the map down of how that happens and can describe it to people and train people how to do that. And then I so it's like that. Go ahead. 
setting up for yourself Distinction. <coughs> you know, what Christian was saying, because I was sort of my same question. Um, 
But what I see is I, I commit to something, but it really is an illusion in my mind. And that's why I say yes to everybody so often. And the extended now, um, I see that is what I'm really committed to because it seems to drown out, the story's drowned out any other kind of commitment that I, that I make. And it's really an illusion. So my question for you is, in your getting to the point where you are, was there a, a practice other than meditation or any kind of uh, trick you play with your head or whatever that uh, helped you on the path of getting into the now and, and to making commitment and staying with that? Or do you just have to be aware of it and eventually feel the pain more and more and more and shift out of that. Well, that's more, more the, the more that I can become present, the more the only the only way I can become more present is my ability or my willingness to experience the reality of what I'm creating. So whatever pain is there, I can only get I can only shrink my now and become present if I'm willing to experience the intensity of the pain of that, whatever it is. And there's no really, there's no other way. I, but I know, and that's what Kirsten And that's what that is. I don't know, does anybody else have other ideas about that? Well, it seems like what you're, like what I, it's the more you pay attention to, the more, like, the more you pay attention to it, like I was thinking about the idea where you say, um, you know, you're doing something, you say, oh, look how cool I am, and then you lose it. But, and when I pay attention to that, and I get more and more the cost of that, that thing, and experience the cost of it over and over again, and then it creates, you know, then there's less, there's just more leverage than for me not to go. You know, but it seems like attention is a key piece of this, paying attention to what Failure I commit creates more possibility. Because the pain of the failure and the realization of that failure creates the possibility for more commitment later on. Uh, assuming, well, it's a choice to experience that, though. <coughs> really easy to avoid the experience of the pain of failure because really we're failing all the time and that's what pisses me off you know because right now I'm failing right now I'm failing because if I was more conscious right now or if I had more technology if I was more present if I, my now is small or whatever however you want to say it whatever if it was more I would I would look back at this moment and go you know I just failed here I just failed here I was you know I'm really Feeling. So it's really it's our ability to tolerate the intensity, the pain of experiencing what we're really creating right now, and and and, and that allows us to have more, like you said, more possibility. Yeah, thank you. If we're like willing, or if we're able to experience that pain, then you feel that you you might feel the necessity that you want to do something different. That's what happened for me during the weekend. I, I felt this intense fear the whole weekend, and I knew I didn't step into something different and 
create something different. So I was just feeling this fear and that was like real suffering. It was really, really painful because I knew I could, I somehow could do something different like what happened with Mary. So every time I don't do that, then it's, it's really painful and it's every time um, the moment is, is minimized that. Painful isn't necessarily bad. No, Maybe. no, I don't mean that. It, it's rather like um, it might be like, like a catalyst for, or like if I if I'm suffering about that, then I can feel the urge to really the urge to do something different. Okay, I'm suffering. If I don't feel the suffering, then why should I why should I create something different? Why should I? Why should I take that risk? And it's it's really big because basically that's I feel like this is what my life is now because I know what is possible. So if I don't do it differently, then I'm suffering. Mm -hmm. well, I think what Ron was talking about is what we talked about in the beginning in the sense of that moment when you make a choice of what you're committed to, whether it be, as I do so often, is going to the victim in my story, or choosing to say yes to it, like Ryan was saying, and make it positive, and create something out of it. But it takes a conscience to be aware of the pain, and because of that pain, it gives you strength. Yeah, but my pain, most of the time, I beat myself up with. Instead of using it as a tool. Last night, Sue and I were talking, and I, maybe you could help me remember this. Somehow we were talking about speaking about what you got. Remember that? Somehow we were talking about <coughs> through speaking about. It was like we, we were talking about it ended up with enrollment. Do you remember that? Yeah, if you, if you don't say it in a way that somebody can get it, you didn't get it.
care and nurturing and um, being involved in a process, you know, from, from beginning to end and, and handling all the problems in between and, and, and bringing it together, interruptions and you know, things missing, whatever. It's like this entire relationship to cooking, and that's like you can give somebody a handbook on how to do, um, on how to be in relationship, or you can give somebody a handbook on how to be a trainer, or how to be a, a leader, or how to, how to commit. You can give people a handbook about that, or a description, but the reality of it is, like, can you, can you have it happen for somebody over there? Can it happen? Can they experience it? They, can you get them to duplicate it so that they can duplicate it for somebody else? If you can teach somebody to teach somebody else, if you can give it away so that a person can give it away, then you've got it. But you don't really have it until you can give it away so that it can happen over there. our lives, we're, we're going around carrying this conversation around with us of that other people get in. So all the people that we're in, relate, in relationship with are in our conversation and we're in theirs. And it's our blobs kind of, kind of interact. Unless in some situation where the space holder or the leader or the manager or something, in which case the other people are really within our conversation. Never completely. No, nobody could ever be really in somebody else's conversation because they always have a little bit of their conversation in somebody else's conversation or maybe it moves around. But um, if we can become aware of the conversation that we're creating in our life <coughs> and notice what other people experience when they're around us, what it is that they, what they're able to get from being around us, then that's, that's what we're committed to. Those are the results that we're committed to. That's what happens. When we see it happening over there, that's who we are. When a person gets that. And this thing about um, when the idea about commitment coming first, that first there is the commitment, and then the commitment produces a necessity for all of, for everything else to follow. Like, you can commit without knowing how. Once you commit, it becomes necessary for you to know how, and then that can arise from you. And the knowing how comes. People, there's necessity, so it's attractive, and that, that that comes in. So people come with information, or phone calls happen, or books. You know, Porner talks about it a lot. We had a, I needed this article, and it showed up on my desk. It was just a necessity. So if we can pay attention to the results that were that people that we're creating in our life, then we can notice what it is we're really committed to. And realize that we are already committed to that, even if we don't know how. We already don't know how. We, we're under the illusion that we know how. 
understand what I'm saying? So you're already committed to creating your life exactly how it's been created. And you think that you know how, but what's true is you're just committed, and the know-how shows up, all, and things align to the, what you're committed to. So, so we go back to, to, to being previous. We go, and go back to being at source for who we are as a commitment. Then what we are, we're a walking commitment. We're walking around a committed thing. And what we're committed to is the results that show up. So then at that point, you, you might want to try some experiments, which is just choosing for no reason commitment and, and, and doing the <coughs> experiment, really choosing that. And um, just make it necessary, really throw yourself into it, make it necessary, make it as if it is so. And see, you can actually replace other commitments. Well, good morning. 